The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, I'm glad you're here. Uh, there's a guest card in that worship guide, and uh, we would love to get some information to you about us as a church, and we don't do anything weird with that. Um, and you can drop that in the giving station on your way out. I've got Mr. Pete, who's going to be my lovely van. He's going to bring me a prop. Today is props day. Um, I have had some questions about the, the prayer wall that's going in, in the new lobby. And uh, this is the reclaimed lumber that I'm holding. It doesn't mean each board will be like this. It, one board will look like this. One might look like this. One might look like this. So these are samples. It's kind of like, you know, ladies, when you go to Home Depot and you get the paint swatches, Okay, this is our board swatch. This is a man board swatch, right? Uh, but if you see, ah, oh, somebody's got a laser pointer. Awesome. Uh, love it. Where's that coming from? But uh, uh, on the back of that board is where you will write your family's name, uh, scripture verses uh, that are near and dear to your family, and then also names of people that you are praying uh, to come to know Christ. Uh, and it'll be on the back because it'd be weird on the front, right? Um, so we, then we're going to hang those up. And that wall, as soon as we walk in, it's a call to prayer. Um, and this next weekend is the last weekend that we're going to be offering the boards because we start installing them this Tuesday. Um, so if you have bought a board or if you buy one this week or you're planning on buying one, we are going to be in the facility on Tuesday uh, from 4 to 8, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You can come by and sign your board. Um, and see the facility and the progress we'll show you, and um, then we'll get that hung up and, and everything. You can buy them next weekend if you want, and we'll be, we'll be able to do it the, a couple days the following week. So this is coming to a close. I'm really excited. Thank you to all who participated in this. I think this is really encouraging and exciting uh, to have that reminder as soon as we walk in. And then the chairs, if you haven't given those a test drive, those are in the lobby. Now, they're much more comfortable than this. I, I'm going to get to preach a whole lot longer because, you know, the, the mind can only absorb what the rear can endure, right? So we're buying comfortable chairs. So, I mean, we're going to like triple probably our teaching time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so a couple, a couple announcements um, uh, before we get into this. Uh, the pool next door did open, and uh, we want to be a good neighbor. So if you would help us by not parking in the pool parking lot, um, we don't want the people in the neighborhood to be able to go swim, not be able to go swimming because they can't park. And uh, so we've got people that can help us get in and out of the field that was freshly mowed this week and then the, the parking lot. And uh, we want to be good neighbors. We're in that four to six week window, folks, before we move. And there will be plenty of parking. Um, and if not, we have plenty of our own grass that we can park on, which is awesome. I, I grew up I grew up in West Virginia, man. You park on the yard, right? Driveway is just a frame of reference, right? Um, so you park on the yard, and uh, so uh, four to six weeks, uh, depending on what what time it is during the day, will be that way. Um, it could change. If you've ever built anything, it changes. I have learned through this process, I'm not called to build buildings. I don't enjoy this process. I'm enjoying the blessing from God and seeing what God has done and what, what we're called to, and we're not called to build buildings. So last week, we made some announcements that that I want to remind, and some of you missed them last week, but we made some staff announcements and some changes that are coming because, uh, honestly, as a church, we're not called to build a building. We're called to build the kingdom. And the ways that we do that is through uh, increasing the ministry and the staff opportunities. So we announced that Pastor Trinity, who is part-time right now as our youth pastor, will be coming on in a full-time capacity June 9th, and he will be our 
family pastor, so he will be full-time oversight for, for preschool through college. Um, pastor Tammy is not going anywhere. She's, she's going to stay in there with the kids and, and keep your kids just excited and teaching and pouring into them. And so we're bringing that full-time focus. Adam Mullinex has been our, well, he's our permanent intern. Um, we called him a summer intern, but we kept our hands on him throughout the school year. He graduated a couple weeks ago. He's on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic, and when he gets back in a couple weeks, he'll make that transition, and July 1st will be his start date, and he will be on staff with us full-time as our creative director. He's going to be involved with worship and just all kinds of other creative things. And then on August 1st, um, Heather, my wife, who has really been running the church anyway, she's actually going to come on staff part-time and be able to cut her hours at school to part-time, and so I'm excited about those things. We've got other transitions we just don't have dates to, um, or faces or names, but I'm really excited about what God's called us to do as a church. Because um, if you were at the Q Fest, you saw we've got some, we've got a lot of people in our church. I know if you come to one service, you kind of get that view. Um, but last week it was awesome spending the afternoon at the park with you guys, and I went into a barbecue-induced coma Sunday night. I'm telling you, I think my sugar was off the charts because of all the barbecue sauce and brisket and ribs, and that was heaven, okay? That's just warming up for heaven, by the way. You know when we go to heaven, there's going to be a feast, okay? So when I eat, I'm preparing for heaven, right? So that's just the way we go. So thank you for all that. Uh, John chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. So if you've got your Bible, uh, meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, please write your name in that. That's our gift to you. If you've got a smartphone, you can find us on the version. It's a free app in the, the App Store. Um, and we actually put our notes and fill-ins and things like that on the, the version app. Um, and so today, uh, the, if you've got your Bible, um, have your pen handy because I'm going to have you underline some things. Um, and if, if that's just weird to you, you don't have to do it. But I'm going to have you make some uh, interesting notes in the margins because you may lose the fill-in, but you should keep your Bible with you a lot longer than you'll keep these fill-in sheets. And so I want you to make some notes in this. So uh, uh, John chapter 2. Um, do you remember growing up as a child, being able to drink water from the tap? Like, you know, you just flip on the faucet, you know, or when we play outside, we'd turn on the hose, you know, and it was the game. You got to wait so it doesn't burn you because it'd be like McDonald's quality coffee heat coming out the first first minute or so, and then it goes cold and you're just like, you know, just drinking out. Now it's a biohazard or something. I think you can't drink out of the hose, man. I did. I turned out fine, right? Um, I, I grew up on a farm in West Virginia, and our closest neighbor was about a quarter to a half mile over the hill, and um, he had no water in their house. They had a, it was basically a shack. They had an outhouse, um, and I'm not that old, folks. Um, he had, his phone went in in like the early 90s, um, heated his house with a coal stove, no running water, and they had this little shack in the back of, in their backyard that was a spring house. And so you would open up this door and there would be fresh spring water coming from the ground. Like there'd be a frog in the corner. I remember there was a frog that would sit over there and they'd have this tin dipper, you know, there's a little dipper, not the big dipper. And you'd just scoop it up. And, I mean, it was so good. It was always cold, always fresh, clear water. So awesome. We wouldn't think about doing that today. We'd be like, I need my charcoal filter that goes in my camelback so I can you know, cycle it through. Which, by the way, if you drink through a camelback, I'm just saying, I think you're probably drinking your own backwash. I'm just, 
I, I'm a bottled water guy myself. Um, I don't do the Camelback. I have a, a bottle I bought at Target. It doesn't have a filter in it. I fill it up from uh, the tap. I use my, my refrigerator, the filtered water. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've gone that way too. But I like drinking bottled water. That's pretty much all I drink is water. And um, I've got some different samples of water up here today. Um, I'm going to start with the cheapest. And uh, this is the 7-Eleven spring water. You know, this is good old 7-Eleven spring, probably 79 cents. You know, the flimsy bottle. You know, it's the kind that when you try to open it, you end up spraying yourself because the bottle's so flimsy. Let's see, this was bottled in, this is from a tap out in Jasper, Texas. So, I mean, I guess their water is much better than ours in, in Fort Worth. Um, so this is like, this is just like, I need some water. I don't want to spend a lot of money. This is ashtray water, right? The change from your ashtray. Um, but if you want to step it up, you know, I drink this when I want to feel intellectually superior to other people because um, this is smart water. You know, I'd be like, you know, walk up, like, what are you drinking? I'm drinking smart water. What are you drinking, idiot? You know, um, so, yes, just so when I want to feel smarter, I drink this because um, that just lets people know that brilliant people drink smart water. And then when I want to feed my brain, um, I drink water. Um, this is for your brain. Uh, marketing. Um, this is vapor, just a vapor. Not going to soapbox. Vapor distilled water plus electrolytes. So what I think is funny is you want to step up in price from smart water. You're going to buy water. They can't even spell water, and it's for your brain. I mean, this dude. I would be like, hey, let me talk to you about your marketing. You're fired. Next. Um, so yeah, this is this has the electrolytes in it. And then if you want to spring, this is the good stuff, right? This is date night water, Fiji. <laughs> How many of y'all drink Fiji? I'll drink it when Heather buys it for me, but this is like, this, this is just pretty, this is a pretty bottle. It's supposedly bottled in the Fiji Islands, which is probably why it's so expensive because they have to fly it over here. I mean, you know what a flight costs from there? This is natural artesian water. Um, this is the good stuff. So um, I have some, I didn't buy these. Actually, the benefit, I had these bought for me. Um, the benefit is this stage of life, I have a teenage daughter who drives, and I control the gas money. So she went and bought these things for me, and so I'm really grateful for her. But the thing about water is all of that is and all that will ever be is water. No matter what bottle it's in, no matter where it comes from, a tap in Fiji, which, you know, you can't drink the water in most foreign countries, so why is this so good? I'm just saying. Think about it. Um, I think it's all from the same tap, and all the companies come by and like, hey, fill up my bottle, and they just charge based on the bottle. See, flimsy, hard stuff right there. Like this, never mind. All it's ever going to be is water. Now, this, on the other hand, this is wine, vino. This is a vintage 2001 Cabernet Sauvignon. Like that? Not a pine out in the ear. Some of y'all get that but a Cabernet Sauvignon. Like this is like, this was a, it's signed by the winemaker on the side. This was a $100 bottle of wine. And just so you know, church funds were not used to buy this wine. So don't be thinking that's where my tithe goes. Mm-hmm. No, church money was not used to buy that bottle of wine. Um, but all this will ever be is water. And, and water is different than wine. I mean, we could sit here and probably point out the incredible differences between water and wine all day long. 
Um, but I, I, I have a point, and we're going somewhere with this. And I want us to, to really begin to, to look at a miracle Jesus did in John chapter 2 and draw some things out of this that we can take away today. So John chapter 2, I'm going to have you underline some things in your Bible um, or if you're a circler. Some people are underliners, some are circlers, well, however you want to do it. I underline and highlight and I write all kinds of stuff. So uh, John chapter 2, on the third day, um, what I love about that, there's always a third day in Jesus, right? I mean, incredible, amazing things happen on the third day. Um, so on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Underline at Cana in Galilee. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, and Jesus' Jesus's mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So Jesus gets invited to a wedding. Um, just so you know, this is wedding season in, in our society and invitations are coming in, and RSVPs, and save the dates, and we're registered at this place. Um, and so uh, all of us end up going to a wedding at some point. Most of us will be at one this year, um, if not multiple weddings. I've got to say that I look more forward to the reception than the wedding. Like, I'll be sitting during the wedding, like, Man, I wonder what kind of food we're going to have. You know, I wonder if they got a chocolate fountain. Because that, that's like, I know there will be a chocolate fountain in heaven. I know it. I, I mean, that is divine revelation that, I mean, there is going to be a chocolate fountain in heaven. And it'll be no calories because it's heaven, right? Um, and I'm just, you'll find me swimming in it. I'll take the street of gold, take a left, and go swim in the chocolate fountain. That's just how, like, Matt, what's going on? This is heaven. Um, but I, weddings to me can be a little bit of a beating. I like performing the weddings because I'm in control. You know, it's like, I know when I perform a wedding, we're about 27 minutes, and then we're going to go get food, okay, because that, that's, that's about the time that I need, um, but I don't like sitting through a wedding. It's just really hard for me. I've got to be honest with you. I'm like, 17 songs? Really? None of your guests want to hear 17 songs, and she just sang the Lord's Prayer. What? Uh, um, and, and now they're up, down. I, I had a friend that, I kid you not, it should have been a Guinness World Record for the longest wedding in history. I was, I was needing a snack in the middle of it. I'm like, Heather, did you bring a Snickers bar? Because I'm not going anywhere for a while. Um, so, but Jesus is at this wedding, and weddings in the first century were much different. They would last three to seven days. I mean, they were a party, right? I mean, it would get cray-cray. Three to seven days, okay? That is one giant reception. It wouldn't be a piece of chicken and some rubbery green beans on on that catered plate. It would be a slaughtered animal like a cow. Multiple cattle would would be taken out for this wedding feast. And Jesus, yes, he is at the party. Giant barbecue. He's there. So verse three, um, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. So you know it was crazy up in there. Okay, if, if you plan for a seven-day party and day three, you're out of wine, you got issues, okay? I'm just saying. I mean, there are, it's crazy, crazy there in Cana. Anyway, Jesus looked at his mom. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Now, this is not Jesus smacking on his mom. Um, my time has not yet come because I, this is, there's a cultural reference in here. But let me just give you this wisdom. Children, children. This afternoon, when your mama says, clean your room, do not say, woman, why do you involve me? (laughs) I am not a smart man, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You are going to hear some reference to the Old Testament. You're going to hear something unholy. 
and you're going to experience a true timeout 15 minutes later when you come to, then you will get up and clean your room, okay? I'm just telling you. I am not a smart man, but I knew better than to say something like that to my mom. Woman, why do you involve me? What love. And his mom doesn't miss a beat. Look at verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do what he tells you. She's like, mm-hmm, do what he tells you to do. Um, underline, do what he tells you to do. Honestly, I could preach all day long, and the best advice I could give you is that statement right there. Do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Underline, so they filled them to the brim. They obeyed, if you want to write that in your margin. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. Underline, they did so. There's more obedience. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I'm just going to say this. The servants always see the miracle first. It's just the way it happens. The master of the banquet didn't know where the wine came from. He just knew that more wine showed up. Somebody ran down to the store and picked some up. I don't know. But the servants knew what had happened. Let me say this. Those of you who volunteer here at the creek, you see the miracles first. I mean, you you experience it on that front line. I mean, whether you serve in kids, the greeters, parking lot, cafe, because you may be the first person to welcome someone who gives their life to Christ. You see the miracle first. And I love that about the kingdom. I love that about the kingdom. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you say the best now. Now, not much has changed culturally. I've got enough of a past to know that that is still true, right? You're going to bring out the $100 bottle of wine at the beginning of the party, and by the end you're serving like Boone's Farm, Mad Dog 2020. We're going to have to edit this out, aren't we? Um, you know what I'm talking about. You're trying to sit there and go, I don't know what he's talking about. Yes, you do. You may have heard about it. It might be Natty Light instead of uh, Boone's Farm. But you know, what it's, you know what's going on. Um, this, <laughs> this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. See, this miracle is important. Jesus didn't do this so that thousands of years later, church leaders could argue about um, whether it's right or legal to, for a Christian to drink alcohol. That's not the point of today's message. I will say enough, I, I want to say this about uh, the, the being legal and being uh, beneficial. Um, do we, we can get into all kinds of things, but let me just say it this way. Uh, have you ever played Russian roulette? I haven't. I'm too scared. Um, because you've got a one in six chance of the back of your head meeting the wall behind you. Um, we would take great caution and care with that. Um, we would kind of know uh, the dangers that we're going into. I'll just say this. Be careful about what you let in your life. Um, because it can very easily take control of you. Now, just because it's legal does not mean it's beneficial. Now, we're not going to get into that and, and today. And, and Jesus didn't perform this miracle so we could have that argument. I believe Jesus did this miracle for two things. He did it to reveal himself, to reveal who he was, and then also believe to reveal to us what he wants to do in our lives as a result of following him. And so uh, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit uh, and look at some things that we can take away from Jesus turning water into wine. The first thing is Jesus changes the natural to the supernatural. 
We are a society that is charged over supernatural things. I mean, the other night, I'm channel surfing. Ghostbusters 2 is on. Okay, that just goes to tell you we're a supernatural society because Ghostbusters 1 was successful enough for a 2 to be done, which I think when you find 2 on cable, you're like, man, this is kind of like second place. I want the first one. You know, 2 is not as good. But anyway, it's not just Ghostbusters. It's uh, uh, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Twilight. Man, you don't have to admit that you've seen that. It's all right. Got your back. Um, I watched this show a little while ago called Ghost Hunters. Um, now, when I was, let's see, Ghostbusters came out in 1984. So I was in elementary school, and my friends, we would all, we would all play Ghostbusters for, for the while after that movie came out. We'd dress up, and, you know, we'd be like, don't cross the streams, and uh, we'd bring all these toys out. I think these guys just never grew out of that. Um, so they, they, here's the premise of the show. They get a call, hey, my house is haunted. Okay, I heard a noise. They come in with all their cameras. They bring all these meters and everything, and they're trying to find ghosts. And, and so they'll be like, walking through the house, like, oh, it just got cold, you know? Did you feel that? And I'm like, oh, yes, I felt that. It got cold. Probably the AC kicked on. I don't know. And did you hear that noise? My AC, when it kicks on, it gets cold in the house, and it makes a noise. I, I'm just fixing all your problems right now. Um, but they bring all these things, and, and they can never get video evidence. And I'd watch it because, like, they'd catch me with the commercials. And tonight on Ghost Hunters, they finally get one on video. I'm like, I, there's no go- I, I would love to see a ghost. Like, what's up? I'm here for my video shoot. You know, I don't know. But we are a, a supernaturally obsessed society. It's not even just in our movies and our TV shows. It's even in our government. I read an article this week that, that the House Science Committee has spent more time um, this session talking about the existence of aliens than they have on climate change. And we know how, how big climate change is. On our, and so we, are a, we spend our money on it. We spend our time on it. There's a lot of things I spend my time on. I'm like, dear Jesus, please forgive me for wasting my time watching that show. And can I please have that back? He's like, no, you can get wisdom. Don't watch shows like that. Um, but we are a, obsessed with it. And, and here's the truth. No matter what I paid for, the price for, for this water, no matter what label is on the outside of this water, this will always be water. There is nothing that this water could do. There's nothing Fiji could say, hey, I want to be wine. And so if I think hard enough, if I try hard enough, if I will it, hard enough that I can change to wine. There's no way that could happen. The only way this turns to this is through a supernatural miracle. And, and I think we get so caught up in our society it is we, we try to change our labels. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better husband or wife. I'm going to do better in my job. I'm going to be a better steward of my time. I'm going to be better man- a better manager of my finances. I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm not going to deal with the road rage I've been dealing with. I'm not going to do these activities. I'm not going to let this addiction continue to rule my life. I'm going to be a better person. All we're doing is we're trying to slap a new label on the same thing that's inside. It takes transformation. It takes a supernatural miracle performed by Christ for us to go from this to this. Now, here's the thing. Jesus took the active role in salvation. He did it. That's how we can have the miracle in our life. That's how we can go more from the natural to the supernatural. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration, and I'm going somewhere with this, but let's say I I pop the top on Fiji because I'm feeling like the good stuff, you know? 
And so I pop the top on this, and for the rest of the service, I'm, I'm just chugging this bottle of water. There's not going to be really anything, any, any weird effects happening to me other than I'm probably going to have to go to the bathroom after service. So nothing, I mean, not going to get real cray-cray, right? Now, if I pop the top on this, and I start drinking this, by the end of the service, I'm going to be sucking my thumb, probably a lampshade on my head. I'm going to be singing old country songs. I'm going to be calling up old girlfriends. I mean, it'd be its own country song, right? We could agree that if I drank the water, it's really nothing unnatural is going to happen to me. But the more of this I drink, the more unnatural I become, right? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. The more Jesus we get into our life, the more unnatural we become. You see, we live in a society where it's natural to harbor bitterness. We live in a society where uh, marriage is disposable, and that's natural. We live in a society where, where so many things that, that we think are natural have really come from the flesh or come from the enemy or come from our sin. So when I let Jesus saturate my life and the Holy Spirit fills my life, the things that would be natural become unnatural, that I can now forgive those that persecute me. I can pray and bless my enemies, that I can stay committed to my wife no matter how hard things get, that no matter how natural the world says these behaviors are, Jesus calls us to the unnatural and the supernatural. And so our lives, he transforms us to continue to be filled by him, to be continued to be uh, to live the way he lives. He calls us to live. And, and here's the thing. When we drink all of that, we will lose a lot of the power we have to control ourselves. But when Jesus fills our life, we have the power to rule over our sin so that we don't become slaves to sin, that we have the authority to rule over that in our life. So Jesus also takes what is lacking and turns it into abundance. I think this is prophecy for Costco. I mean, I love Costco. That's one of my favorite stores. I, I can go in and buy a vat of ketchup. Not that I need it, but just because I can, right? I mean, when we go to Costco and buy water, we're not going and buying a bottle of water. I mean, we are buying cases of water, and it's like this abundance. We live in a society of abundance, and, and Jesus is doing the same thing. I love this about Jesus. He takes what is lacking and turns it into abundance. Remember, there were six stone water jugs holding 20 to 30 gallons each. So let's take the middle of that, okay? 25 gallons of water, six of them. That's 150 gallons of wine. Okay, they ran out of wine, and Jesus just didn't give them a glass. Jesus just didn't give them another bottle of wine. He gave them 150 gallons of wine. He gave them more than they ever thought they could need. He blessed them to abundance. And Jesus wants to bless your life more than you can imagine. And maybe you're at a point where you're thinking, well, that's, that's not happening in my life. Maybe you're being lied to by the enemy or by the world that says God doesn't want to give you something. He wants to take something from you. Let me tell you, that's a half-truth. 
There is something Jesus wants to take. He wants to take our guilt, our shame, our brokenness, our despair. And he wants to replace those with joy and peace and patience, hope, forgiveness, salvation, purpose. And maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, that's just not where I'm at. If that's what Jesus wants, if Jesus wants to give me more than I could ever imagine, and Jesus wants to take what's lacking and give it to me in abundance, why is that not happening in my life? Go back to what Jesus' mom said to the servants. Do whatever he tells you to do. They did it. Are you obedient? Maybe you're like, well, yeah, I'm obedient. I've, I've, I've tried it and it doesn't happen. Go back and look at verse 7 and 8 when it's not just obedience. Okay, I told you to underline this. They filled it to the brim. He said, go serve it up. They did so. It's continued obedience. Intentional, consistent obedience leads to abundance. It's not just trying something. We give up on things way too easy. I, I have been, I, I had to go through some, some, some changes this year, and I've started working out on a regular basis. And, and I'll be honest with you, I had a gym membership for three years and it never did me any good. Other than my bank account lost weight every month. But it would be like, I, it would be like this. Going and signing up for a membership at the gym, getting on the treadmill for 15 minutes and getting off and going, I'm never doing this again. I didn't lose 15 pounds. Thing didn't work. I think it's junk. You know what you got to do? You got to get back on the treadmill intentional, consistent obedience leads to abundance. Maybe look at areas in your life that, that, is, that are lacking. What if, what if we tried this? I'm not saying that if the whole society and if people, would, people outside the church would do this. What if people who profess Christ as their Lord and Savior did this? Intentional, consistent obedience. You just pick an area of your life. Maybe it's money. Well, I tried tithing and it didn't work. How long did you try it? I tried it for a couple of weeks. Intentional, consistent obedience. What, what about if you're not married? Dating. Well, I tried dating God's way and it didn't work. Intentional, consistent obedience leads to abundance. I think if we just tried that for six months as a church, we would, I think we would radically change our, our community. I think our families would be radically changed. It's the consistent obedience. Maybe the filter is, if there's an area in your life that is lacking, ask yourself, am I being intentionally and consistently obedient in this area of my life? And if not, here's the thing. Pray. Ask God to give you the strength to begin to be intentional and consistently obedient. Third thing, Jesus changes what is normal into something valuable. Um, I, as a pastor, I do funerals. And uh, a couple months ago, I did a, a funeral at the, the Dallas National Cemetery. And I'll be doing another one there in June. And it's interesting when, we, when, I, when I step on to that ground, that that's just dirt. That's just a plot of land. But there's a sacrifice 
that has been paid by men and women that makes that sacred ground. And, and it just calls me to, to remembrance every time I do a service at the National Cemetery that this is sacred ground. Jesus takes something that is normal and turns it into something valuable. This is just a daycare facility. But this becomes sacred ground because we who are the church, who are the temple of the Holy Spirit, step in and it becomes sacred ground. Jesus takes something that is normal and brings incredible value to it. I had you underline at Cana in Galilee. Cana was a small village off the beaten path, not really noticed. I mean, people there may have felt like, felt like they'd been overlooked by the growth, by the economy that was, was changing and growing. There wasn't a lot of money in this region. And, and maybe you're at a place where you feel a little overlooked by God. Maybe you feel abandoned by God. And can I tell you that just as Jesus went to the, the wedding in Cana, he went out of his way to go to that wedding. The cross stands as a reminder that Jesus went out of his way for us. And that he began to see the value in what he went out of his way for. We have been made new. We're, not a, we're, we're, we're a new creation. With Christ, we've been transformed from water into wine. He is taking something that seems to be normal, water. I mean, we can go get this. And he brings it into abundance. And he brings incredible value to it. 79 cents, $100. Now, the value of something is set by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. And someone paid $100 for this bottle of wine. Therefore, this wine is worth $100 because someone's willing to pay for it and pay that amount for it. I'm not taking bids. I'm just saying, making a point. I mean, we, we like to think about, you know, that thing we found at the garage sale that we paid $0.08 cents for that we knocked them down from $0.10 cents that that's probably worth about 30 or 40 bucks. And when you put it on Craigslist, you're going to get eight cents for it. The value is set by what someone is willing to pay for it. And can I tell you that your life is not the total of the mess you've made, but it's the price he paid. The value for your life was set by the blood of Jesus. And I, I wrestle with this, my past. I wrestle with my failures. I wrestle with the lies from the enemy and things that try to tell me how worthless I really am. But the truth of the gospel is that the price was paid through the blood of Christ and he sets the value. I think if we understood this, I think if people who are Christians and profess to follow Jesus, if we truly understood this, uh, understood value, we'll treat ourselves differently. We'll treat other people differently. See, I can take this bottle of wine or bottle of water and I can throw it up. I can catch it. I can spin it around. I'm not worried about it, you know. I'm just, it's good. 79 cents. If I drop it, all right. I am not going to take a $100 bottle of wine and jump with it, right? Some of y'all are just like, <sighs> no. When we understand the value, we treat it differently. Maybe if we understood the value, some of the things that plague us. I, I, cutting. 
Maybe if we understood the value that Jesus set for our life. We'd be less likely to think we're so worthless to cut ourselves. Maybe the eating disorders that we wrestle with. Bulimia, anorexia. Thoughts of suicide. Devaluing our life to the point where we'll consider taking it. I think when we understand the value that Jesus set on our life. When our eyes are open to that. We're going to treat things. We're going to treat ourselves much, much differently. The next chapter over is John 3. And probably the most popular verse in all of Scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to change the word world with your name because you're a part of the world. For God so loved Matt that He gave His one and only Son and that if I believe in Him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. God values you. And He paid the price for you. And I don't know today if you're wrestling with that value. Maybe you've you've been a Christian for a while and you're struggling with that value. Or maybe you're not a Christian. Today you're realizing, man, I'm not a sum of the mess I've made. But He paid the price for me. And I'm going to pray for us in a minute. And I want to I want to just encourage you. If you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you, our prayer room is open. And we would love to spend some time with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. That we have this miracle recorded of the transformation of water into wine. And, and I believe you did it to, to reveal who you are. That you are the God of the universe. You are the only one that can make those transformations a reality. And you did it to reveal to us what you want to do in our life if we will submit and surrender and follow you. And so, Father, I pray right now that you just open up our hearts to that. Lord, that that you open up our hearts to understand the value that you've set in our life and that you love us And you long to give us good gifts. And you long to give us more than we could ever imagine. And so, Father, I ask that you give us the courage, the humility to submit to you and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to change the labels. Make me into new wine. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.